Welcome to the beer run. On this run, we try the first ever lager from Ale Asylum. Plus, our handy homebrewing friend from Kansas, Matt Paulson, pays us a visit. And we take a dive with Octopi Brewing and Isaac Shawaki. That's all coming up right here on the beer run from DCRC Radio. Welcome to the Beer Run. I'm Ryan Urban. And I'm Carl Cooley. And this is episode seven. Lucky number seven. Woohoo! All right. And let's uh, get into our beer review. We are going to be reviewing Ale Asylum's Octillion Oktoberfest. I am excited for this. I am too. Not only because it's like Ale Asylum's first lager in their whole 11 year history. But also because I just love Oktoberfest beers. As do I, and any serious craft beer drinker I know loves Oktoberfest beers. Hardly a person I don't know who doesn't really like them. But seasonality, it's a huge thing, part of this beer. Do you think that uh, absence makes a heart grow fonder, Ryan? You know, I love multi lagers in general. Mm -hmm. I look for those Vienna lagers year-round, which are kind of like the multi little brother of an Oktoberfest beer. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the change of the season and just kind of the, the way these celebrations play out too, uh, just really makes them special. Yeah. And it's just something to look forward to Yeah, every year. Well, the seasonality of the Oktoberfest beer has, is a huge part of its history. I mean, just talking about the style itself, the Mars and style of beer, go back five centuries. It all started out with like this little Bavarian law that said you couldn't brew during the summer months. It was basically a sanitation thing, you know. Warm weather, you get weird stuff in your beer. So brewers would brew in March when it was still cool, and then they made this robust lager to uh, age over the summer months and uh, open up in the October time of the year. Yeah, yeah, by the time it got to fall, you had a very amber-colored malty lager, higher in ABV, but still very refreshing. And it was ser- first served in, or first ob- observed mm-hmm. in 1810. yeah. Yeah, in 1810, there was this royal wedding, and they decided to have this whole like big festival for it, and um, apparently, the royal couple stayed married, and they've been having Oktoberfest ever since in Munich, Germany, uh, though now they're held in September. Yeah, those Germans have all, always been a little different. Um, sure. Anyway, and, and now nowadays, uh, it, it's an interesting style because it's very open to interpretation. Yeah. You've got your lighter beers... Um, known in this style as fest beers. Mm-hmm. They're more like a Hellas lager or something like that. And, and your Marzins are a little darker and a little bit, little bit more malty, um, but still quite refreshing. Yeah, the German Oktoberfest of today is more of a, a golden light beer, but the Oktoberfest, the strict Marzen of yesteryear, was a lot uh, was a lot darker, more robust. So Yeah, and a, and a lot of um, American interpretations of Oktoberfest beers are like that. Mm-hmm. So let's see how Octillion uh, fits in that whole scheme of things. We got the Crap. bottles here. Cool label with like a uh, octopus lady. I'm going to say, <laughs> um, you know, the little, was, little mermaid, little mermaid. Uh, Medusa. Medusa. Right? Yeah. It's like her when she was young and sort of sexy, maybe. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I can see that. You know, um, the interesting part about this to me, uh, this bottle, I mean, is the fact that I have a black cap and you have an orange cap. Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna say that's just kind of indicative of Ale Asylum. They uh, just kind of do what they want. They do their own thing. Yeah, very interesting. I'm wondering how they got all that together. Um, Carl's struggling to find his bottle opener. So I lost it. Here, have mine. <laughs> and we're cracking them open. Oh, we got a pour. And now I can't find my glass. Well, this is not well thought out at all. I don't know where my glass went either. Uh, we were we were too excited to record this podcast that we forgot to get proper glassware. Um, it, okay, uh, we're 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 putting them in, we're pouring them into our glasses. Yep. All right, we're pouring them into our glasses. Alrighty. I've got a s- traditional lining Kugel's shaker pint. And I got a little mug from Lazy Monk's Oktoberfest. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Oh, wow. I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> well, let's let's start with the color here. It's golden, deep golden color. Yeah. Um, good head on it. Not too, just, a, you know, just enough head. Yeah. Not, not, a, head. not a ton of it or anything. And um, it's very sweet. Pretty full body too. I feel like this beer would be good out of a in mass quantities, like out of a keg. Yeah, not to rate it yet at all, but I'm right. just saying like just the the presentation I'm getting out of the glass and like the head and the flavor of it. This is meant to be a mass produced and mass right. drunk beer. I'm just imagining it coming out of a wooden keg with a little bit of extra character in it. I think would be awesome. Yeah, but it's very it's different from other Oktoberfests I've had though. Yeah, it's not like anything I've had this year. It, it it starts with the color. It's it's just a little bit lighter. Yep. Um, it's sweeter. There's not it's not a real dry finish to it. No, not at all. It's um, yeah, it's almost too sweet. It's Bach Bach like. Yeah. Is what I see. Um, but it's also very sessionable. I mean, basically on the scale of you know Mars and Darks to light festive beers, where would you kind of nail this down, Ryan? I guess I'd have to say it's somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think Ale Asylum has made its its own, yeah. In a way, I would I would say a little bit above middle, but that sweetness kind of kind of brings it back down. But yeah, uh, sweetness in the color, it's a real interesting beer, but it's mighty fine. Yeah, I'm really liking it. My hat, my glass is half empty already, so half full, half empty. I'm a half full kind of guy. <laughs> of course, you are, Carl. <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, we'll give a full review and rating of this at the at the end of the show. Yep. So in the meantime, let's get into brew news. Yeah. Brew news. What do you got? This headline from the New York Times. Self-driving trucks first mission. A 120-mile beer run. Hey, that's us. That's us. That is, uh, it's got our name in it. <laughs> so in, self-driving beer truck? Yes. There's a company called Otto, O-T-T-O owned by Uber, and they're investing in these self-driving trucks, like big freight trucks, semis. And they sent this, they sent the 2,000 cases of Budweiser beer, 120 miles from Fort Collins, Colorado, to Colorado Springs. Without incident, uh, nobody hijacked the truck or hacked into it. I don't know. This has like final destination all written all over it. Oh, uh, (laughs) for sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now you can have your car drive you to the bar and then drive you back from the bar, right? I think that's the hope. That's the hope. 
No more drunk driving, I guess, right? That would seriously be great. But, um, you know, I talk about hacking into one of these trucks. Yeah. You know, I say we, we do it, Carl, and we send it to the Beer Run Podcast studio. Can I mean, we, that would be a good episode. Can Am I we right? wait until they ha- deliver some actually good beer? Yeah. Okay. I, I think we, we better wait. All right. Plan this out a little bit. We'll yeah. wait for uh, New Glarus to get self-driving trucks or something. Uh, they'd probably be the last ones to do it, but we can hope. <laughs> You got anything? Got any brew news? Uh, yeah, I do. First question, though. How many how many pubs are there in Britain? Uh, several, many. You are right. Uh, there is 24,727 pubs. Now, how far would it take you to travel to every single one of them? Um, 10,000 kilometers, because that's how they measure things over there. Close. 28,000 miles. Do the math if you want to figure out kilometers, but that's how Not far it is. going to bother, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a long way. Yeah, and it would take you three years if you had a pint at each one of them. Three years? Yep. Is the route super zigzaggy? Because... Great uh, it's not super that big. zigzaggy after the first couple of ones, I assure you. But no, this was right. one of those like traveling salesman type problems where you figure out the shortest distance to go between all these like various points, and it's twenty eight thousand miles. And, and a beer at each one would take you three years. Yes, wow. three years. That's quite the beer run. Oh yeah, it sounds like a blast. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine how many cool people and cool conversations you would have, and how much great beer. Do you think you? You, could you do the whole thing without repeating a beer? I doubt it. No, there's no. not that many different beers in the world, are there? I, I mean, I bet there are, but maybe not in Great Britain. 24,727? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Mm. Still, trip worth taking. It is, and it's all in a circle, too. So you can start from anywhere. Amazing. What a I, world we live in. I know. Maybe I should, I should uh, put that on the bucket list for sure. Yeah. <laughs> What else we got? Okay, well, I hate to bring up uh, you-know-who again, but... Voldemort? Close. Um, A.B. InBev's uh, venture capital arm. ZX, ZX Venture or something? Acme conglomerate, whatever. <laughs> you were just hating on them. <laughs> well, so anyway, what are they up to? Okay, so they bought Northern Brewer slash Midwest Supplies, which, um, I mean, they're one, they're one outfit. And they bought Northern Brewer, which is like the biggest home brewing supplier, at least in the Midwest, probably one of the biggest in the country. Mm-hmm. They're basically a big online homebrew supply store, right? Yeah. And they've got, I think, three locations in the Twin Cities and one in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the big name in home brewing, And now they're owned by InBev. Which, Why? Yeah. It's a surprise to me. Came out of left field a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. What does this mean for home brewing? Hmm. Is, is this like, is this the future? If AB InBev is getting into home brewing, they're looking to make it, or they're expecting it to be, I mean, big. Soon at your nearest Walmart, homebrew kits. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, anyway, you know, it's just like, I think it's the same way some of the craft breweries have gone with InBev. I mean, you can understand it. They open up a suitcase full of boatloads of money. Blank check. Like, yeah. Kind of thing. Going to take you to the next level. Um, and it's not a bad thing, you got to admit. I mean, I mean look you at... You understand it, yeah. Look at like Breckenridge, Goose Island. They got bought Ten out. Barrel, yeah. And now you can find their beers all over the place. And ABM, Vev, to their credit, has been pretty much hands-off to their operations. I, I don't know how much of that is true, but I, I know their beer is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even in the podunk bars up here in northern Wisconsin, you can get a Breckenridge Vanilla Porter or a, a Goose IPA. Um, it's You know, I'll still probably buy stuff from Northern Brewer. 
Um, but it's, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, just the same way it was with these other acquisitions. Um, with the options I have, I'm going to go to the local homebrew shop hmm. more now, I think. Well, I'm going to call it right here, right now. We're going to see a homebrewing Clydesdale during a Super Bowl commercial. You might be right, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for the brew news. Uh, coming up next, we have our interview with Isaac Shawaki of Octopi Brewing. And in, Third Sign. And Third Sign in Wanakee, Wisconsin. Coming up here on The Beer Run. From DCRC Radio. Welcome to the Beer Run. This is Ryan Urban here with my co-host Carl Cooley, and we are at Octopi Brewing in Wanakee, Wisconsin, joined by the founder of the company, Isaac Shawaki. Yeah, sure. Yeah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming. Yeah, well, we're happy to be here. We already had a tour, and it's, how would you describe it, Carl? Pretty amazing. It's it's fully automated, as uh, you were telling us here, and um you know, even though it's fully automated, it's able to uh, accommodate lots of different uh, demands for your contracts. Since you're a contract brewery, that's pretty pretty neat, I thought. Yeah, for sure. So I guess kind of go back to the beginning here. Uh, sure. Why Wanaki? How did you end up here? Uh, I always tell the story the same way. You know, if 10 years ago you would tell me that I would be working in Wanaki uh, and living here, I would tell you two things. One, you're crazy, and two, where the hell's that? <laughs> uh, I'm originally from Mexico. I honestly didn't know where Wanaki or Wisconsin was on the map when I was growing up. And it has been one of the best things I've ever done in my life to actually move here because uh, it's just a wonderful place to live in. Like the city of Madison and the surrounding areas is just the perfect place for uh, me to be in my life and also to have a brewery and a country brewery uh, to start with, which is pretty cool. How did I came here? Uh, I started in Chicago. So uh, I had a brewery in Chicago. We started through contract brewing. I was in charge of contract brewing. Um, the beer quality sucked. We were getting really, really bad beer. Um, we were brewing in eight different places in 18 months, anywhere from 10 barrels at a time at a small brew pub to 300 barrels at a time at a pretty large place. Hmm. Um, and we couldn't get the beer that we wanted to, we couldn't get the packaging that we wanted to, and just uh, a lot of issues with quality. Um, so when I left that brewery, I decided to uh, open a contract brewery, but that would be state of the art, that would really, really help out small breweries that are growing uh, to really get to the next level and you know increase production. Um, and I looked around and uh, I basically told my wife, um, she's a smart one in the family, she's a doctor, and I told her I would love to move uh, to Wisconsin. You know, like if you can get a job there, just tell me where you we could go. And uh, she found a great job by, with the university. And we ended up deciding to move to Madison, and that's how all it started. And then we looked around, and Wanakee was a perfect place because they really wanted us here. They mm. said, uh, what do we want to do? What can we do for Octopi to be here? And uh, we just got the conversation going, and they were very easy to work with. That's great. Uh, so why do contracting in particular? Uh, why not just make your own beer and sure. have that? Like I said, I had such a terrible experience contract brewing. Um, to be honest, if the contract brewing scene was good when I started, we would have probably been contract brewing for the long run. Um, it's very, very hard to start your own brewery. Uh, you need a lot of money and it takes a lot of time 
and you know what happens if you put in all this money all your savings you have a bank loan etc and then your brand doesn't succeed right and then you could go bust a lot, a lot of money. So what we have is Contraboy is such a much easier way to start or to get into the beer world, but you want to make sure that you get with the right partner because at the end of the day, like if the beer is not good, it's not going to sell. So what we offer is a Contraboy facility that's state-of-the-art for anybody that wants to start in and you can start with much less money and you can actually focus on what's important at the beginning. So we'll take care of the quality, we'll make sure that the beer is incredible. But then when it's a young brand, you really want to focus on your sales and building a brand and your marketing. And when you start your own brewery, um, the production side takes 80% of your time that a lot of the breweries don't focus on you know, growing the brand. And that's why it's very, very hard to get something going. So we tell the people, as you know, like, we'll work with you, we'll brew your recipes, or if you need help, we'll actually make your recipes for you. Uh, you want to create a really, really cool brand, and then uh, we'll take care of all the production side and other stuff, but you know, focus on what's important at the beginning. It's you know, make sure that you get the word out there, make sure that you grow your brand, and make sure that you build a strong foundation for growth. Mm-hmm. So that's why we decided to build a country brand facility. So, about how many um, different uh, clients do you have right now? We have five right now that we brew for, plus our own brand. Um, the ones that we can talk about is you know, one barrel in Door County. We brew uh, all their beer. Uh, we're extremely happy to be working with them. Uh, I think they're extremely happy to be working here. And, you know, we love working with successful uh, companies like that because their success is our success. So we're really, really embedded into making sure that we do the best we can for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think both those breweries have pretty good reputations. Yep. So um, that's interesting to, to know that when I crack open, uh, you know, what is it? The Polka, the Dork yeah, Polka, Polka King. Polka yeah. King, that's, yeah. that was made here, huh? Yep. All right. Awesome. So some of these brewers must come in with, you know, their own recipes yes. and that they've made on obviously a different system. How mm-hmm. do you replicate those recipes? So um, there's two things. We wanted to have a place where we have the best equipment possible, but it doesn't matter if you have the best equipment, you don't have the best thing possible. So we really, really make sure that we put a place of, you know, four amazing brewers. The four of them have 40 plus years of commercial brewing experience. So with their knowledge, you know, a client comes in, we sit together, we talk about the recipes. Uh, you know, we ask our clients, everybody sends an NDA confidentiality agreement. Then they give us the recipes and we really want to understand everything about the recipe, you know, their mash temperature, uh, you know, how many, how many minutes they boil. Not everybody does 60 minute boils, somebody does 90 minute boils. You know, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, what additions are your, or, chemicals or minerals you add to your water, what's your water profile, et cetera. So we really get intimate and we really want to understand everything behind the recipe. And then with the best of our abilities, we try to mimic it uh, and grow it because most of these people have smaller systems to into our system. We want to say that the first batch we ever do, it's pretty close to the final product. It's around 90, 95%, but there's always tweaking. We're never satisfied. So, you know, it's always, we do the first batch or the second or the 10th, and we always want to get feedback from our clients. You know, what can we do better? What would you like to change for the next batch? What we can, can we increase? You want to tweak something, etc. Because a lot of the things, some of these recipes were brought in the pilot system, and the pilot system to when you grow it to a 50 barrel might be different. So there's, you know, you know what, like the hop addition that we did at the end wasn't really doing it for me. Why don't we try some different hops or, uh, you know, why don't you increase the quantity or lower the quantity, et cetera. So we're in constant talks with every single client, with every single batch, because we want to make sure that one, they get what they want, and two, that we make excellent beer and better beer each and every time. Because it's their beer. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. their beer and it's and it's our reputation. Mm-hmm. Every single batch that we do. We can't put a single bad, bad batch out there. Right. You must have to have a pretty experienced staff to be able to pull that off, right? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, we have um, extremely, extremely talented staff. Uh, they come from different places. You know, our lead brewer came from um, Santa in Arizona, and then he did a few years in Big Sky in Missoula, Montana. So that's a big brewery. That's mm-hmm. 35,000 barrels. Our other lead brewer came from Boulder Beer. Uh, he was there for five, six years. Uh, that's a 40,000 barrel brewery. Uh, our newest member came from Bridgeport and Pyramid in Portland. He was there for 10 years, fantastic brewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another brewer came from the Glarus. He was there for five years. He was one of the brew house operators. So the four guys are just incredible. And we're really, really lucky and happy to have them. And they really get excited because uh, for a lot of them, you know, they love the equipment that we have and basically it's uh, whatever they need to make sure that they get the job done, we'll buy it and we'll get it for them. And that's pretty exciting for them. Yeah, that has to be a dream for somebody who likes to make beer because on the tour, I was just blown away by how high tech and dialed in everything seemed to be. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool and, you know, I think... Uh, Outside of New Glarus, we probably have the second best brewery in the state, uh, and that's something that we want to strive for, and we're very proud to to say. And like I said, um, you don't get talent if you cannot offer them something that is better to what they had. And that's what we think we've put in here, something you know that they are really proud and they're very excited, and, and we're also growing, growing really, really fast, which is very exciting for our brewers. Right, I think you said you were going to hit 12,000 this yep. year, and the building we're in has a capacity for 65,000 yep. barrels eventually. Just by putting, is, adding tanks. Yeah. Yep. And that is huge. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, you also have some of your own beers. Are those beers that you are that you came up with, your brewers? Can you kind of tell me about your yep. lineup? So our own brand is called Third Sign. Um, Third Sign Brewery is after the third sign of the Zodiac, which is Gemini. Uh, Gemini is all about duality. So what we do is grab one style of beer and show you two dual interpretations of the style. So everything we do, we do in pairs. Uh, we have two mild ales, one with vanilla called Madagascar, one with coffee called Sumatra. We actually get the coffee from the Lingtong region of Sumatra in Indonesia. Uh, we have two IPAs and then we have um, two wheat ales, one wheat beer and then white dry wheat. Uh, we wanted to have our own brand one because you know we wanted to showcase what we can do. We wanted to grow in the market and then also wanted to give our brewers a creativity to develop and create new things. Uh, everything that we do is collaborative. So literally we sit down, we meet every Friday, we, we have a production meeting with all the staff in the brewery and we talked about you know what we're gonna brew, how's our schedule, what are our needs, etc. But then we also talk about, okay, what's the next beer we wanna do? What are the ideas? And then we vote on them. And uh, whoever gets the most votes, votes, that's what we do next, which is pretty cool and it's very exciting. So everybody has a voice from the intern that started and worked in the summer to the lead brewer that has 12 years of experience. Democracy at its best, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and it gives like an opportunity for everybody to participate, which is pretty cool. So, you know, when you vote on a beer, what what do you like best? What are you, what are you looking for in a good beer? I like balanced. I like subtle flavors. I like drinkability. Like, uh, I'm of the thought that, you know, I want to make something that you can drink a few of them, not just one. Because uh, a lot of people can do, you know, I can overspice a beer or overhop a beer and yeah, I can get you 100 IVUs, but honestly, like how many of those are you gonna have? You're gonna have one, maybe half. And we're all about, you know, having a lot of flavor in the beer. Uh, some are higher in alcohol than others, but everything has to be balanced. And I want people to say, wow, this is a great drinky beer. 
let me have another one. Yeah, I, I that's how I would describe this beer. I'm having one, your uh, coffee porter right now. Yep. A uh, new one I, from my, what I understand. It's a pilot batch. Pilot like batch. Uh, we have a small system, a 15 gallon system, like a Sapco or Brew Magic. Uh, that's where we pilot everything, and we're every week we do one or two pilots. We put them on the, you know, we taste them. We put them on the bar, and we would like to get the feedback from the people. So a cool thing about our bar is that uh, we also we always have uh, unique stuff that you can't get in the market. So if you come here, you'll get some fun and special stuff. Yeah. Well, this one would get my vote. Uh, great. <laughs> Thank you. Great balance between the coffee and the, the maltiness of the porter. Appreciate it. Um, Thank you. What are you drinking there, Carl? Um, what am I drinking? <laughs> You're drinking uh, Sumatra Mocha. So uh, Sumatras are our regular mild ale with coffee, but then with that one we added chocolate. So we added cocoa nibs and a little bit of a chocolate syrup. Uh, so it, it kind of drinks like a mocha. It's a four and a half percent mild base, very easy drinking. Uh, if you're a coffee head, it's great because he has a lot of coffee flavor. It, it is there. It's in, like you said, it's balanced. It's sessionable. It's yeah, it's very good. Thank so. you. So, yeah. So in your tap room, uh, what else do you have on tap there? It looks like you've got some of your own stuff, but kind of a selection of uh, different breweries from all over the place. Yeah, we uh, well, basically my uh, bar manager has free reign to order whatever he wants. We want to keep, you know, most of our taps are third sign are us and pilot batches or regular stuff. But then if we see something that's exciting in the market or that's new or catches our eye, we order it. And it could be anywhere from just a regular lager. You know, right now, you know, Hellas, it's incredible to drink. It's a, you want, we want something that's 4% uh, that's easy drinking. So we have just a very good lager style beer from a brewery in the Midwest. And we also have a Waba beer that we cut our eyes. And then for example, I sometimes love sour. So sometimes we do see Dutch's um, on tap, and we have a couple of uh, nitro draft lines, so you'll always see something on, on nitro. Mm -hmm. yep, that's a great selection. Yeah. All right, I'm curious though, uh, you know, you're coming from Chicago to Madison, and both have pretty, you know, national renowned beer scenes. Yeah. Uh, what do you see as the differences in those cities? I think it's gigantic the difference between uh, Madison and Chicago, and even like, you know, Illinois and Wisconsin. Um, I think that Wisconsin was far ahead of Illinois, I want to say like five years ago, but uh, Chicago has grown at warp speed. You know, when we opened in Chicago, we were the fifth craft brewery in the state. It was Goose Island that had been there forever, uh, Half Acre Metropolitan, and we opened at the same time with Finch. Uh, right now, I went there a few months ago, and there's 144 craft breweries in Chicago proper, like in the surrounding areas. Um, as opposed to in Wisconsin, I think last year there was only four brewery openings. Uh, so you can see like, you know, Chicago just, yeah, they didn't, they, they had a lot of beer history, not like Wisconsin or Milwaukee, but uh, all of a sudden they caught up like fire. And I think uh, Wisconsin is a little bit behind there, uh, even though there's incredible and amazing breweries here. Um, I think just Chicago is just right now the hub of the Midwest. Um, however, the history that Wisconsin have is unparalleled, you know. Sure. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. Miller and, and, and the old Pabst Brewery and... Uh, and there's just like a lot of, you know, New Glarus is just a, I, I like to call it a unicorn. It's one of those stories that it'll never be replicated, no matter how many how many people try. Uh, it's something that's incredible and that's amazing. And what they've been able to do uh, by just selling what state is just, you know, out of yeah. this world. Yeah, well, we're getting some great metaphors in this episode. We got the octopi arms, yeah. we got the unicorn in the virus. <laughs> Can't remember what the other one was, but um, anyway. What kind of clientele is looking for a, a place like this? Is it does it have to be 
real local within Wisconsin or the Midwest, or can you brew beer from anywhere? No, so we have like, a, I like to call it like four different segments. Uh, you know, the, the most important one is uh, local breweries or, you know, breweries that are in the Midwest that just, they need an ex- they need to expand. And it could be, you know, um, smaller breweries that are growing too fast, which is in the case of Door County in One Barrel, or breweries that, you know, they want to focus on other stuff. So we have, a, we're working with a regional brewery right now that they send us all their specialty high-end seasonals because they want to focus on palating some other new stuff uh, for their brand next year. So we kind of like, we get the oldie and the goodies, uh, but really, really high-end. You were talking about, you know, fourteen ninety nine six packs. So that's very exciting. So that's our kind of like number one clientele, existing breweries that just want to expand and they need, you know, help uh, producing the beer. The second one is uh, breweries that are in other parts of the country that want to enter the Midwest. You know, if you're a small brewery in Texas or California, but you really want to expand your footprint because like I said, Midwest is it's becoming a hotbed of incredible beer and you want to send your beer to Chicago. If you have a truck from California or Texas to Chicago, it's going to cost you three grand. Mm-hmm. So what we can do is we can brew your beer here and a truck from here to Chicago is $200. So therefore you can put your, you know, you can put your six packs at eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine. As opposed to putting it at fourteen ninety nine because of shipping is crazy, you know, <laughs> or you just want to gouge your clients. Um, the third, um, the <laughs> third sense. one is, um, you know, we want to work with startups. So I'm a entrepreneur by heart. I love creating new things. So we love working with select startups that we think they have a great idea that have a lot of probability of succeeding, and we really want to help them from the ground up. Um, we're more than just a production facility. We like to call them a one stop shop. So. We can help you with any legal you know, questions that you have, marketing, design, recipe creation, recipe formulation, even how to build a brewery. Like, you know, we had a brewery that uh, they have a really, really old system and they still wanted to work with us on a bigger scale, but they wanted to revamp their stuff. So we sat down with them and we basically, you know, shared all of our supplier knowledge and what they should be looking for and how much they should be paying and what, you know, tanks they should get all the way to, you know, what size glycol chiller they needed. So we're kind of like a consultant for, to build new breweries. And then the last segment is, um, you know, the hospitality, hotels, retail chains, you know, if uh, food, uh, you know, retail chain wants to do their own beer, we can do it for them. So that's kind of like our focus is fourth ways, but, you know, always the most important one is existing breweries in the area. Mm-hmm. How much beer are you brewing for for people? Our typical client is about uh, 1,200 to 1,500 barrels a year. That's what we would like to see whenever we look for clients or new clients. Um, so we like to brew at least once a month. Yeah. So our minimum batch is 100 barrels. 100 barrels, we think it's a right size approach. Uh, like I said, I brewed a place that was 10 barrels at a time, which was very little beer, and a place that was 300 barrels at a time, which was way too much beer. So after experience, I thought, you know, 100 barrels is a pretty good amount. It's something that a brewery that's expanding, that's growing, can easily sell within a month. So how did you get started yourself? Um, I'm assuming you started off as a home brewer way back when, or do you just kind of just enter the business right away? No, it's kind of like the other way. Like I, like a lot of people enter either through the business side or the, the brewing side. I enter kind of like more through the business side. So uh, I started my career in consulting. I work with a really large management consulting firm that's worldwide. And uh, in consulting, there's a saying. If you do it once, you become an expert. So my first project was with Heineken in Panama. And after working there for several months, I became the beer expert. So anytime my company you know, sold a beer project or my office, I was staffed in. So I did that for about, I did consulting about like seven years, seven, eight years. Uh, I just loved it, but I love beer more. And I always wanted to open my brewery. So after eight years, I decided to move to Chicago and open the brewery. I had that for three years. 
And then after that, uh, like I said, I left and opened Octopi. So overall, I've been involved in the beer world about 12 years, more or less. It's just an incredible business, an incredible industry. You know, it's uh, there's nothing better than, you know, going on the line and grabbing a fresh bottle of beer and opening and drinking what you produced. It's it's an incredible feeling to see your product on the shelf. Right. Yeah, if you're going to be in business, why not be in some tasty business, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a fun. And then the people you hang out are, you know, are restaurant owners, bar owners, uh, you know, just like they're, they're fun people to be with. They're, it's, it's a really cool crowd. That's great. Um, I think that pretty much covers it for me. Do you have any more questions, Carl, or...? Yeah, where did um, where did the name Octopi come from? Came from my wife. Uh, we were looking for a, a name to name the brewery, uh, and we had a bunch of ideas. But then we just like the symbolism of the animal with contract brewery. So octopi, as you know, is a plural for octopus. So eight tentacles. We can do eight things at a different time. It's a grounded animal, so we're grounded in our approach. It's underwater, so we're in constant motion with the beer world, and it's invertebrate, so we can switch shapes really, really fast according to our client needs. So there were like a lot of little. Um, similarities and, and, and descriptions of about the octopus that just fit perfectly with contract yeah, brewing. It's incredibly fitting. Yeah, we just liked it. And it sounded cool, Octopi. So. Oh, very cool. Even though a lot of people, when we're on the phone, they're like, Occupy? And we're like, no, we're not Occupy. We're Octopi. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of that. You know, your system is very high-tech. It's very automated. Tell me about your setup here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So um, the heart of the operation is our brew house. We have a 50-barrel system, three-vessel. Uh, brew house from Isau Huber in Germany. Uh, they're outside of Munich in Schrobenhausen. Uh, everything's fully automated, including the way we dose the hops. Uh, we have a gigantic hop pack, and then we have a word aeration unit. After that, we have our initial uh, cellar area. Right now, we have seven tanks, but we have two more coming on the way that will expand our capacity to about 18,000 barrels for 2017. Uh, then after the beer is fermented, we have to filter the beer. So we have a GA centrifuge from Germany uh, that's top of the line. Uh, and it's a fantastic piece of equipment because it's completely enclosed so you get no oxygen pickup. Then we have an uh, inline carbonation unit from Isocuber. We have a couple of bright tanks to carbonate the beer. And then we have a beautiful setup for our malt room that's fully automated from Rad in Canada. And then to package the beer, we have a small kegging machine from MNF Technique, also in Germany. They can do 35 kegs an hour. And we have a beautiful bottling line from KHS that's 150 bottles a minute, so 9,000 bottles per hour we can do, which is, again, a brand new top line, and uh, it's just super efficient. And that labeling machine can fit any size label, you're saying. Correct, yeah. We have a labeling machine uh, that's a pressure-sensitive machine. They can do any shape, size, or form along we're into the parameters, but uh, pressure sensitive is like a sticker. So every single client can choose its own basically size of label. Uh, so it's unique to each uh, client. The brewing industry, you know, changes so fast. Yeah. You know, it's hard to keep up with the new technology that comes out. Um, and you guys are definitely growing. What can we expect to see happen here in the next year or two? Yeah, so we have like um, every year we have. Like we're in our first year and we already have big projects. So for the rest of the year, uh, we are going to automate the rest of our packaging line because right now it's not fully automated on the packaging side. And we're beefing up our lab so we can do micro microbiology analysis in-house. So those are the two big things. And then hopefully next year, uh, well, along with increasing our cellar area, we're just buying new tanks. And then uh, hopefully next year, we're getting a big hop back from Braucon, which is another German manufacturer, which is amazing, uh, to get better extraction uh, of our flavors and our hops and our spices. And we're also buying a hop gun uh, to dry hop our vessels. Because uh, when you're carrying 100 pounds of hops in a ladder 
20 feet high, it gets pretty pretty <laughs> scary. And then a hop gun, it's completely enclosed and you get a much better extraction and much better aroma. So those are the four big things that we're planning for the rest of the year. And then we'll see what happens next. Who knows? Yeah, no, that's the comment that we made when we were looking. It's like uh, the beauty about this industry is that you're never done. Like there's always, every single machine can be upgraded 10 times. Uh, and that's just something that's super exciting. You know, as you grow, uh, you make money and then you start putting that money to work by just making your system better than what it is, which is pretty incredible. And what's your favorite brew these days? Brewer or brewery or beer? Beer. What's my favorite beer? What did they have recently? Or brewery. Huh. I don't know. That's a tough one because uh, I hate to use this word, but uh, uh, I'm a beer whore. I like everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do too. <laughs> there's not like, hey, I'm only an IPA kind of guy. I really like, I, I enjoy every style of beer. Uh, if it's a well-made beer, I just love drinking everything and trying new things and, and getting something different that I've never tried before. But um, beer, why did we try recently that was really, really good? Um, tried yesterday a really nice barley wine that somebody brought from Portland from Hair of the Dog which is a small brewery that uh, it's been there forever and it's like a little 12 ounce bottle that's like $15 which is crazy but people pay it it's you know they have a lot of history it was just delicious you know they was yeah. uh, like figs and dried cherries and uh, we just had a little sip but it was, it was yeah. pretty cool I, I was lucky enough to actually visit Hair of the Dog yeah. last fall it's a cool brewery it's amazing yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's hype or anything, but it's just like uh, the beer is awesome and it's pretty cool. And they were the first ones in Portland or one of the first right. ones, which is pretty yeah. cool. I think the new, tr- well, I hate trends, but uh, I think I've tried a couple of like tart IPAs that are, that's going to be the new thing. And we're doing one next uh, couple of weeks. We're bringing our first tart IPA and we're uh, infusing them with uh, cherries. So, you know, it's a broad IPA and then you kettle sour it. Uh, you put some lacto in it. Uh, check the pH, it could be anywhere from a few hours to a couple of days, make sure that it's nice, tart and clean, and then we boil it again, put it in the fermenter, and then we infuse it with uh, with cherries to give it like that tartness and little extra layer of flavor. They're usually sessionable, you know, about two and a half to four and a half percent, but... Uh, well, a sour, fruity, IPA. session IPA, that's yeah. like the trifecta of, <laughs> exactly. of trends right now. <laughs> yeah, last year was a grapefruit, and the year before was a goza, and I think summer is the, the summer of the tart IPA. <laughs> mm. All right. You're here to hear first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, Isaac, uh, want to just thank you again for letting us come in, giving us a tour, and talking nice. out with us today. Um, it's been really neat and the most high-tech system we've seen. Thank you so much. So far, and yeah. she should be very proud of it. And yeah. A lot of exciting things will come out of here, I'm sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, yeah. And was there anything else you wanted to mention before we go? Uh, no, look at for third sign. We're now we're currently distributing in uh, all the Dane County and Milwaukee area, and we're doing some really exciting stuff. Like I said, we're bringing our, our next two beers are going to be a white IPA called Housegeist and a tart IPA with cherries called Sour Cure. So uh, we're excited about those, and they're going to come out in a month or so. All right, we'll have to definitely pick some of that up. Uh, Thanks again, and we're going to go serve ourselves another beer. But We'll be back here on the Beer Run from DCRC Radio. We'll be back soon here with the Beer Run. Go and grab yourself a cold one. You earned it.
Welcome back to the Beer Run Podcast. Carl Cooley here again at the Lazy Monk Brewery, and I'm joined right now with Matt Paulson from the Handy Homebrew Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fantastic. Uh, very nice to meet you guys up here. This brewery is fantastic. Uh, you know, um, the Handy Homebrew Show, we came up here just for Oktoberfest, Yeah, and uh, we've had a hell of a time. Yeah, I saw you guys coming up. You were talking about it on your show, so I decided to reach out on Twitter and be like, hey, you want to meet up, do a segment, talk about beer, have a good time? You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's I'm really glad this uh, this worked out. It's been fun talking with you here so far off mic. Yeah. Tell me a bit about uh, Handy Homebrew. Um, okay. You okay. and Dustin Little. Yeah. What, what do you guys do? So um, we started this show probably, well, we actually started out as a YouTube show. So we would do like a weekly show and talk about homebrewing. I mean, we start started, you know, at the very beginning of homebrewing, of, you know, learning how to extract brew all the way up, going through all-grain brewing. And we've kind of transitioned now over to a podcast because it was really hard to keep our videos under 20 minutes. <laughs> and Brewing is a lengthy process. Yeah, it really is. And so now we, uh, we have a podcast that we try to keep between 45 minutes and an hour. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about homebrewing, yeah. and that's that's mostly what we talk about. We talk a little bit about commercial stuff too, um, but we try to focus around more of the homebrewing things. Um, so we have shows. You know, our very first episode, I think we talked about getting started in brewing and kind of where to go. And now, you know, we just finished episode twenty, and uh, we've gone through all grain brewing techniques to you know advanced fermentation techniques things like that so that's kind of the basis of our show i mean really it's we just like to get together and talk about beer stuff yeah so that's you guys you still know, do videos and stuff too we've recorded a few videos and we've kind of talked about it uh dustin was having some technical problems with his yeah. software on his computer so uh we talked about it instead of doing a video every week we were just going to maybe do once a month to where we could do a 20-minute segment mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just kind of keep it short. Just get one of your uh, huge sponsors to pay for, <laughs> right. for for a new computer, and you'll be all good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh. Huge sponsor. <laughs> Thanks to Lazy Monk Brewing, huge sponsor <laughs> of the show. Uh, so you guys kind of really hit on a lot of the specifics of brewing now. I mean, what are you going to do next? Right. We're, we're kind of thinking about it. Um, kind of tossing a few different ideas around, you know, because we've talked a lot about the brewing process and some of the advanced techniques. Um, we, we've hit on recipe creation, so we're probably going to go a little bit more into the process of creating recipes. How do you work towards a recipe? Um, maybe even talk a little bit about uh, beer tasting. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe kind of do a few different informational segments about, you know, how do you taste beer? Yeah. You were, you were talking earlier um, before we got on the show here about becoming BJCP certified. Right. You're saying that there's kind of a lot of difficulty in doing that just by the nature of finding someone that gives you the test. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing is, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that you can find online. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can order like the uh, off flavor kits yeah. and do a lot of the stuff online. But to do the actual certification tasting test, 
I think it has to be offered by an actual judge. Yeah. And I think it has to be a nationally ranked judge. I'm not 100% on how the whole process works. But, uh, yeah, it's tough to do. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough to find those guys. Yeah, it'd be interesting to like if you guys kind of get to that point and love to hear a show about that, kind of learning about how to become a judge. A judge, yeah. You know, that'd yeah. be interesting. So you guys came up here for Oktoberfest uh, here this weekend up here in Chippewa Falls. Lining Kugels is having their own festival at the North Northwestern Wisconsin Fairgrounds. Right. There's one here, right here at Lazy Monk. Yeah. You know, there's one, I think, even at Brewing Project as well. So Yeah, I think they're having one tonight too also. You guys yeah. have uh, kind of hit them all up here so far. We have. Tell me about uh-huh. what you've seen. Um, well, we got up here um, Friday afternoon. It was about a 10-and-a-half-hour drive, so we drove half on Thursday and drove the other half on Friday. Yeah. Uh, we went straight over to the Chippewa Falls uh, Oktoberfest that Liney yep. has over at yep. the fairgrounds. Let's you went on see. a tour, too, I heard, right? Yeah, we went to Liney Kugels, um, and they actually gave us a tour of the old – what's – I mean, it's still the brewery, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, some of the buildings were 1860s, I think. Yep. Um, crazy, crazy stuff. A lot um, of history. There's a huge history of beer here, but that was fantastic. Of course, probably most of your listeners don't know who I am, but I love food, and I love cheese, <laughs> and I love beer. Boy, so, have you come to the right place. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We've... Uh, taken a trip to a uh, dairy in uh, Thorpe, Wisconsin. If I was to pronounce the name of the dairy, I would probably butcher it, so I won't do that. Um, So we had cheese curds and Gouda bacon cheeseburger, (laughs) and that was fantastic. And we went to a bar last night called Loopy's, and I don't think it's actually in Chippewa. It's just outside of town. Okay. But, yeah, so that's what we've seen so far. I think we're probably going to end up hitting up the uh, Oktoberfest again tonight, probably again tomorrow also. Um, and I think we're still going to try to hit the brewing project. Did you pick up yourself any uh, later hosen? I haven't. No, I have not. <laughs> I thought about it. but I uh, thought about it, too, and then I saw the price tag. <laughs> yeah, especially the like the real leather ones. Yeah. That's crazy expensive. 300 400 bucks. Yes. Easily. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been it's been really fun. Really great time. I tell you what, everybody in Wichita's or Wichita. <laughs> everybody in Chippewa Falls and Wisconsin are really nice. Mm-hmm. They had it Well, thank you. They, they uh, found it very hard to believe that we would drive 5 or 10 and a half hours to to come to an Oktoberfest, but you know, that's what Just you tell do. Them you really like beer, and they'll immediately understand. Yes. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get it. I get exactly. it. Exactly. Well, thanks, man. So, it's been a pleasure to have you here on the show. Um, absolutely. Anything before we go? Um. Just remember, we're not beer experts. Just beer enthusiasts. <laughs> That's all that matters. And where can we find you guys online? Okay. Yeah. Let me throw that out here. Uh, it's uh, hit us up. Uh, the website's handyhomebrew.com, or. Uh, You've got uh, myself at Wichita Pilot 99 on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, at Handy underscore Homebrew on Twitter. That's going to be Dustin's. I think that's the big one. I think uh, Handy Homebrew show is on um, How about Reddit. YouTube? Yeah, and we have uh, a YouTube channel, the Handy Homebrew um, YouTube channel also. Check it out, Handy Homebrew. It's a great show. They talk about a lot of cool stuff, and they have a lot of fun as well. Yeah, definitely. 
Thanks for having us. We'll have to get together again sometime. <laughs> Definitely. We got more of the beer run coming up. Stay tuned here from DCRC Radio. Cheers. That was great. I'm sorry I missed that, Carl. But it sounds like you guys had a great time. Yeah, I uh, had a fun time talking with Matt Paulson and uh, his uh, friendly troop of beer drinkers coming up to Wisconsin. And uh, yeah, actually, you know what happened? What what happened? Matt got engaged to his girlfriend, now fiance, Aaron, during this trip. So uh, yeah, congrats to them. Congrats to them. Big cheers to them, huh? Cheers to that. Cheers. But, you know, my question is for you, Ryan, how, how did you meet these people? How did you come across them? Well, I've never met them, unfortunately. Missed my chance. But uh, I was just browsing hashtag homebrew on Twitter one day, I think. Mm-hmm. And I saw that they were looking for contributors. I like to write. I like beer. I was like, sure, why not? I'll write an article. And I did. Check it out at handyhomebrew.com. And I hope to write more. Busy guy. But uh, I started listening to their show, watching their videos, and... Became a huge I, fan. I became a huge fan. <laughs> uh, you know, as a homebrew enthusiast, these guys just, they're, they're really at my level. They, they really know their stuff, and they don't use a ton of jargon, but they're really good at explaining the whole homebrew process. And if you're interested in homebrewing or an avid homebrewing enthusiast, I'd recommend it. Yeah, they've got... Uh over 25 episodes now and they've all kind of gone through the whole process from beginning to end and and uh yeah they've gone so far in depth they're kind of like what do we do next so yeah i mean they're turning out episodes every week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh i could only dream of us doing that but uh we're like i said we're we're, we're busy we're busy so we sure. got we got things to do. we'll have another episode out soon sometime hopefully <laughs> anyway but yeah uh, shout out to Handy Homebrew. Yeah. Huge sponsor of the show. Huge. Huge sponsor, sponsor of Beer Run. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. Also, I got to say that uh, visit to Third Sign and Octopi Brewing was a blast. That was awesome. Really cool to talk with Isaac. He had a lot of great insight and such a cool tour. Biggest brewery we've encountered on our. Yep, volume wise, as far as. Yeah, equipment, they're like, what, 160 there? Barrels, whatever that is, they were huge, you know? <laughs> they they had uh, yeah, a lot of big shiny tanks and all that, a lot of gadgets, and it was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. It's much different than, uh, you know, a lot of tap rooms, uh, brew pubs. I would say uh, kind of kind of makes me think like dream job. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it really is kind of cool to see the what the world of contract brewing is and can be. Yeah, very interesting and important too for a lot of these smaller uh, breweries. Um, you know, they they don't disclose all of their clients, but of the ones I know, I mean, really good beer. Mm-hmm. And, and make no mistake, Third Sign makes good beer too. I I really enjoy their stuff. Yeah, uh, we got to sample some pretty neat stuff down there. You know, adjuncts and and stuff. Yeah, in there's it. lots of coffee and chocolate and. I mean, they do a lot of different things with their beers. Yeah, we reviewed uh, two of them, two versions of a porter last episode. Yeah, episode six, 
Check that out if you want to hear more about, uh, what was it? Abandon All Hope and Beatrice. Abandon All Hope and Beatrice, yeah. Two porters. One was, uh, mm, I want to say like a cherry one and one well, was- Well, one was like coconut spice yep. and one was chocolate cherry. Chocolate cherry. There we go. Yeah. So big, big shout out to Isaac. Uh, thanks for supplying us with some great beer and an awesome tour. And um, we'll be back some one of these days. Yeah. We got a beer to review though. Yep. Let's wrap it up. This is Octillion from Ale Asylum in Madison. Ale Asylum. You know, my friend was down there the other day. He texted me saying that they're playing like Queens of the Stone Age and all these like other bands that like he was listening to in high school. And he's like, what's happening? I'm like, targeting their demographic, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just all this great music. Yeah. That's why you're there. It, it, is, a, it is a great place, though. I, I was there a year ago or so and uh, cool building, cool yep. uh Cool facility, good food, a lot of great beer, and, and of course they've got a lot of great beer uh, in bottles out there. And this is one of them, but it is interesting to me. Their first lager, and it doesn't really remind me of any other Oktoberfest I've ever had, but the more I drink it, the more I'm kind of getting it. It's It's got that malty sweetness. Malty sweetness, But yep. there's still a, a bit it's of a, a noble hop finish. Yeah. Yep. You, yeah, the, the noble hop finish comes off later, I would mm-hmm. say. But that roastiness kind of comes on first, followed by that uh, spiciness. Yeah. Not quite a full fest beer. Yeah, yeah. It's more flavorful, which yep. is, I mean, that's what Ale Asylum does. They they make some pretty big flavorful beers, not not too many sessionable ones. They, they really pack a lot of flavor in everything they make. But this is sessionable. This is something that you could drink, I would say, a few of. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still an Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see if they ever do another lager, but... I wouldn't mind seeing this back again next year. Yeah, I would too. So, so do, you, do you got a rating for it, Carl? I was just going to ask you that. Okay. Um, out of a grass, 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 out of a glass, growler, case, or keg, I would do a case. Do a case. Yeah. All right. I, I so want to kick it up to a keg, but then I would feel like I would get tired of it. And I don't okay. want to do that. I want to enjoy every single glass that I have of this. Because it should be enjoyed. It should be. Um, I'm going to come in a little lower than you. I'm going to go with a growler. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, I mean, I like it. It's just not exactly what I'm looking for in an Oktoberfest. The Oktoberfest that I've had this year that I've really liked have been a little bit lighter, uh, a little bit uh, spicier in the hop. I think that's what I'm looking for in a German lager. And But I wouldn't mind just taking a growler yeah. of this home and, yeah. and splitting it with a friend and just enjoying it. It's it's good. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. You know, just across the board, Oktoberfest, you know, are one of my favorite beers. So It's probably my favorite style. You know, it's uh, we're coming up to the close of the season of it here. And um, you know what? Looking forward to another year next year already. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll drink Oktoberfest as long as I can, as long as they're on the shelves. But I'm looking forward to Stout and Porter season too. So, uh, Mm-hmm. barley wine for sure so, so what are we, we going to brew or review next Carl uh, I think we should throw that out to our listeners alright listeners this is your chance tell us what to drink no promises that we can get it up here in northwest Wisconsin but you could uh, always send it to us you could always send it to <laughs> us uh, our address is 111 beer run lane <laughs> uh, beer city uh, Wisconsin PM us just PM us just, on uh, uh, Twitter yeah. or Facebook and and uh, yeah, then send us what your favorite beer is. That's what I think we should do. Yeah. So feedback. You send us a beer, we'll drink it. Yep. We're not too picky. As long as it's not made by you know who. 
Voldemort? <laughs> <laughs> yes. A.B. Imbev. Um, no. So uh, tweet us at least. Tell us what you think we should review next. We'll take it into consideration and most likely try it and give yeah. it a review. Next episode for episode eight of the beer run, which is coming up soon. Sometime in the near future or distant future or future of times Some- past. <laughs> Anyway, uh, in the meantime, check us out on Twitter. Twitter. Beer Beer Run run. WI. We didn't mean to synchronize that, but Beer Run WI. We're on Facebook. Uh, We got a website, beerrunpodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Subscribe, please. Write a review. Tell us how much you love us. Please, please, we need that. (laughs) I need another beer. All righty. Well, with that, Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to The Beer Run from BCRC Radio.
This has been a production of Dirty Chai Record Company with executive producer Ryan Quinn, host Ryan Urban, and producer Carl Cooley. For music used in this episode, visit beerrunpodcast.com.